All right, welcome to episode 11, Totem Realty Advisors podcast. Um, today we are going to dive into the current event of Live Golf meets the PGA Tour in court or something like that on the course, in the courtroom, all of the above, and then dovetail into our amazing industry and how what's going on with Live Golf is very well, near and dear to our industry. Live Golf is not meeting them in court yet. They're They've the, sued them. They're not in court for it yet, though. They've sued them. Who has yeah. sued them? The, the Live players? Live has sued. Or... The players have sued the PGA. The players Tour. have sued the PGA. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I think the SEC is looking into it. I don't know which exact body. Oh, the Securities and Exchange yeah. Committee. Yeah. So as compared uh, to the Southeast Conference. Right. So why is what's Live Golf? Page, <laughs> season one. <laughs> um. Let's think of a appropriate way to say it and for those who um, don't is... know my career previous to real estate was professional golf so this is a very interesting topic and for those who don't know i've just started to delve into the world of golf so i'm not knowledgeable on the subject but have from you, what i understand have you stopped the shimmy shake with the feet on the putting green yet have you stopped the wiggle on the greens yet i try i'm mindful of it on the green because now i know that's a faux pas <laughs> that's but... a no-no I gotta, sh- I gotta shake the nerves out before I hit. <laughs> so, Live golf no. is a competitive golf league. Competitive. It's a competitive. It's a competitor it's to the PGA. The competitor right. to it's the PGA. It's a startup PGA. golf league. Right. That, I think backed the big by Saudi money. The issue is, is the... that it's backed by Saudi money. Right. I'm sure that there are a number of other sponsors. I don't think there are. That's what's fascinating about it. Not it's literally country. like a one sponsor. Well, I, I, I'm not familiar with what you know what their performers are, but I know that their Saudis have put a lot of money into it, and that is one of the reasons why uh, it's it's being blasphemed all over the place. But Did you see how much money into, Tiger Woods turned down to be on the Live Golf Tour? Three quarters of a billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah. Well, now, he's such an advocate for women's rights. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> duh. Oh my lord! Duh. <laughs> do, 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 do you, there's there's a built-in hypocrisy with you giving crap to the Saudis, because I don't hear you doing the same thing regarding any of the other atrocities that go on. Who page or just in general? Uh, page and people in general. And before we even get into that part of it, the hypocrisy of that. <laughs> This has been done a hundred times, not a hundred times, but a number of times before. What's been done? A, a competitive league or a competitive environment challenging the, the old man on the, the block. institution, But right. with as much money as the Saudis are, which is what is making it attractive to where people are actually leaving the PGA. So well, what's the money? I mean, we cost have to of, call a spade a spade here. Well, let's talk about when the uh, American Football Leagues challenged the National Football League. The American Football League started the bidding war for athletes. Who benefits from it? The athletes. And that eventually turned into a merger. The exact same thing occurred with the American Basketball League as they challenged the, uh, the National Basketball Association, or the ABA, excuse me. And there were a lot of things that they took from that startup league that they actually indoctrinated into the NBA. There was no three-point line prior to 
the merger of, of both uh, Michael did his homework. Well, that's, that's not homework. That's history. Uh, and I think... But the XFL didn't work. Like, they tried that. Sure. But well, and I think it's the thing. It's it's whether or not... I didn't say it was going to work. I said that it was... Whether or not the competitor has the money to get the attention of the players. Right. And then, obviously, the the SEC lawsuit is over the PGA trying to stifle the competition. So... I think this is going to come down, I mean, the limited amount that I have read about this or have paid attention to it, will it come down to the fact that this isn't just another, there are underpinnings of sketchiness because it is backed by the Saudis. So, because like you said, they both start to compete. They eventually merge because there is, they can find common ground, but in this one is the common ground going to be so hard to find. I don't know whether whatever. they're going to merge. Yeah, there's no okay. common ground coming on this one. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying because the, the differences of who the people are, like if it was anyone else that had started a new, like had brought live golf, if it was some wealthy Canadian that just decided I'm going to show up out of the blue. I'm going to throw all this money at these people because I am. I want to see golf be more competitive or something other than the PGA Tour because it's not incentivizing enough for the players. Would there be the uproar? Probably if that was not. The case? Wouldn't be the uproar. I think someone is causing all the uproar. It's selective outrage. Do you have outrage over Nike? who is one of the biggest sponsors and, and uh, revenue sources of the National Basketball Association, or probably even any of the other sports teams, manufacturing most of their products in China that has uh, amazing human rights abuses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, mean, I agree but with it's you. Just, it's like... selective outrage. It's just, oh, let me pick on this because I don't like this. Now... But I also think, I don't think it's just like broad selective outrage. And this is a wormhole. I don't think it's just selective outrage of like the flavor of the week i think you're talking about a background of the background of live golf is in such stark contrast with so much of what we stand for in this country what is the background of live golf are you saying the background of i'm live saying golf the financial the backing the financial backing of you have disagreements with the people that back them financially uh, yeah, I, I would saying. say the majority of Americans have uh, fundamental differences with and the, the fascinating people thing about money it is from Saudi Arabia. Everybody wins. Like everybody makes money on their like outside of the human rights issues. Moral like issues. their whole like concept of the live golf tour is that if you show up, you get paid. Like it's the opposite of the game of golf. The game of golf is very much. 100% objective. There's no subjectivity to it. You either make the best score or you don't, um, which is why I've loved the game because there's no, oh, well, Sally's great or Tommy's awesome. Like, it's just who scored the best, period. End of story. Uh, and you being from the golf industry, maybe you know better than I do. Right. But a lot of these guys, when they promote, let's just say, non-PGA events, which the majority are non-PGA events, um, don't they pay appearance fees for people to show up? Yeah, I they mean, do. Greg Norman, the last 10 years he was playing, yeah. he was 
getting the guaranteed check. That was the argument with him, that he, he, he'd just show up, he'd play two or three rounds, and I didn't make the cut, no biggie, jump on the jet, and back to Australia. Right. What What are the non-PGA events, and like who... It's easier to say the PGA events. Yeah, it's easier to say the PGA events, but it's just events that aren't part of the PGA Tour schedule that people host. The Saudis have been hosting events forever. And no one's ever gotten up in arms that they have, that any of the players that play on the PGA Tour have gone and played these no, events. No, Paul Casey swore he would never step foot in a Saudi Arabia golf event. Not even that, but like But now that the Liv's willing to pay him tens of millions of dollars, he's like, eh, I'll be there. I'll show up. And let me add one other thing. Okay, we're looking at the world from an American perspective, which we should. I'm, you know, America first. You know me. <laughs> Don't we know it. I got the hat. All right. <laughs> he's got the but hat. He's got the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Make America great again. Again. Um, but <laughs> the, the Live Golf Tour, there's a British tour. There's a, a South African DP tour. DP World Tour. There's yeah. a World Tour. There's an Asian tour. So it's not that golf is confined to one country. But, okay, so we're not going to solve whether or not live golf is here to stay or not. I think but, we should keep drinking bourbon and continue <laughs> to talk about it. But, but what's fascinating is the players are suing the PGA Tour because the PGA Tour is saying, if you go and play in a live golf event, you are no longer a member of the PGA Tour. And... One of the things that disrupts all of these things, the players benefit ultimately. When the AFL or the American Football League started, they were had any number of teams, um, uh, Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs that actually started off as the Texans, but they had a New York team, the Jets. Okay, They started off as the Titans, by the way, but uh, that was the first when they talked about bonus babies. Joe Namath was one of the top players coming out of Alabama or out of a college that year. He would, if he went in the NFL, he would have paid, been paid $100,000 a year tops. He went to the Jets and signed a $400,000 signing bonus. Unheard of at the time, but the player always benefits because there's now there's an additional place for revenue. And the same thing occurred when the original USFL the Heisman Trophy winner when he came out of school, that was Herschel Walker, played for the New Jersey Generals. Doug Flutie, who also won the Heisman Trophy, played for the Generals. Jim Kelly, who came out of Miami. Yeah, way back machine. No, but this is yeah. that's what you talked, you mentioned the USFL. Right. It was a competitive league that came out that eventually a lot of these players played there and they got engulfed by the NFL. So what's fascinating in those examples, they're all employees. Yes. But in this case, and why we decided to make this the topic of the day. Good segue, Kevin. Yeah, thanks. Um, is. <laughs> that was a really bad, I don't know, that was reeling it back I, in, I but like, I went too fast. I'm not sure it what was. that was. But, um, but in this case, that's where the fundamental issue between the PGA Tour and their constituents is, is that they are considered independent contractors and not employees of the PGA Tour. So there's a whole lot of disagreement about what the PGA Tour can and cannot do to these young men as it relates to their uh, extracurricular activities in the live golf events. So PGA Tour has been very clear. 
we can tell you yay or nay, and if you play in these, you're no longer a part of our organization. Um, and it's extremely fascinating because our industry of the National Association of Realtors who are licensed in this country, I think 87% of those folks who are, like I said, licensed as real estate professionals categorize themselves from a tax perspective as independent contractors. Um, and it opens up all kinds of curious conversation around the topic. And I guess, so my question would be, as an independent contractor to the PGA, they still have a contract with that organization. Correct. That's one of the, that is one of the three litmus test issues with the federal government about the, being an independent contractor. You have to have an actual contract that outlines who's responsible for what. That's one of the three benchmarks. Okay. So yes, the PGA Tour players sign a contract with the PGA Tour that says X, Y, and Z. I've never and seen I, that. And I would imagine there's some exclusivity arranged in that contract. There most definitely Just is. Just like there would be if Paige Myers was an independent contractor, came to work for Totem, but was like, so-and-so is working on another deal. I can make a lot of money. I'm also going to go work with them. That's not... A thing that happens. Correct. But the question, and that's the fascinating thing about the independent contractor concept, is when are you an employee or when are you just someone who's there providing a service with no direction for the, from the company? Um, I, it's crazy. It's wild. Isn't the answer when there's a contract that outlines what your role is? No, you can have an employment contract and you have an independent contractor contract. You have a contract for service, and you can have a contract for employee employment. And it's amazing that the National Association of Realtors has taken the position that they're going to lobby to the death over this. Like, they want to protect the independent contractor thing, although it is fascinating because the vast majority of the people that we interact with, they're not really independent contractors. They are employees. Mm -hmm. I mean... They wouldn't pass the litmus test. No, if they really got scrutinized, they would not pass the litmus test. But it's convenient to keep everybody ICs. And it's and it's near and dear to totem because we are not independent contractors. Mm -hmm. We are employees. Um, so I don't know. It is extremely interesting. Yeah, it's a it's an it's an interesting challenge from let's just take it from the, the, the principal side. Okay, what is it? When you hire someone who's an independent contractor, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get an outcome, okay? And the, you know, the IRS has all sorts of rules, and Lord knows how you how you conform to them. Because I think if they wanted to modify it and say you violated it, for the most part, you violated it. Um, but it's the idea of you have a control of the work, but not a control of the person performing it. I control the outcome not the actual work itself. How did you get there and solve the problem? That's where there's no Except they do have to, but, but any agent under a broker of record, the broker of record becomes responsible for that agent's, act, agent's actions. So that, and I think we, we did touch on this on another, when we discussed the 
uh, was it a Cushman thing, the or CBRE? Yep. Um, Dual the, agency. Right. Yep. So how do you, I guess to me it doesn't make any sense what the benefit is of doing this to the employer when you are ultimately, well, maybe not the employer. Like, the employer benefits because they don't have to provide any benefits. They don't have to provide health care. They don't they have don't to provide, provide health care. They don't have to provide. But they also they don't have to take taxes out. They don't have to carry them as an they're employee. They're liable for a lot of risk with restrictions on how much oversight or control that they can have. And they can of transfer that, that risk with the O insurance. But I think what, what you're just describing, okay, is just. It, I don't want to use the word mockery, but that's the best word. Because if you're working underneath somebody's license, by the very nature of doing that, <laughs> they have a right to dictate what you can and can't do. And I think they always try to tie it back to a code of ethics and the rules of how you're supposed to perform and fiduciary duties, et cetera. But I think it's, it's a very difficult uh, needle to thread because it's... Well, it seems like fundamentally they don't, the ideas don't align at all. I agree with you. That's the problem. It's it, the ideas don't align, and there's it's just the it's so ripe for conflict. But um, that's but every time that every time it ends up in court, they win. Yeah. I, the employee, the independent contractor. Correct. The independent contractor. Yes. Even in California, where is it House Bill AB five or something like that, which caused all the uproar with like the Uber drivers and the. The um, Lyft drivers becoming employees versus she got ice shift. My ice dropped and it scared me. Ice shift, get old ice shift. But the real estate world avoided it somehow. It's and I don't necessarily okay. When you say they ended up in court, the issue is is it's not court that you're worried about. I think from an employer or con. Uh, person that contracts with independence, it's the tax issues and the responsibility of those. And, you know, you might have won a challenge or two with the IRS, but I'd say overall the IRS is pretty, is doing pretty well with how they, if they say this person is, they are an employee rather than a, than a contractor, the IRS usually wins out. And I'd say that's just the leverage of the government being so much larger. Wait, the no IRS one wins. usually wins out or the individual always usually wins out? The IRS always wins out. If the IRS comes to you and say, I'm treating these employee, these people who work for me as independent contractors, and the IRS is going to give you their, their version of a field sobriety test, does it meet this metric? Does it meet this metric? Does it meet this metric? It's called the ABC metrics. The ABC metrics. And if they think that it, it's skirting the issue on any of them to say, no, they're employees. And when they become employees, then there's the component of the uh, uh, employment tax and you carrying any tax liability or anything like that that the, the employer is supposed to provide if you are an actual employer versus... FMLA, like all of it. Like yeah. It just opens up Pandora's box. Yeah, it's it really is. and It's easier for the Internal Revenue Service to chase X amount of employers than X, X plus Y employees. employees. Right. Well, and the the reporting of financials for the employers is easier. I mean, that those expenses are more trackable 
that's what I was wondering if they have a harder time disprove. I don't know where I'm going with this. No, but that's the whole... But like disproving, like say an independent contractor writes has all of these write-offs on their taxes because they're self-employed essentially. Um, they're not... Rep they're not like receipts, but there's not like a financial reporting of CBRE that comes out that they can cross-reference with what that employee has claimed on their write-offs. So, right, it's to the employee's yeah. benefit. So it would be harder for to prove that they were an employee versus to accept that they're an independent contractor. Except for they provide them office space, they provide them a phone, they tell them how they can and can't do contracts. I mean, it it's... They provide you the form for the contract. The form for the contract, mm -hmm. right. Um, they tell you how you're going to get paid or not get paid. And then you carry that card around and say... I work for this company <laughs> and you should hire me because I work for this like global conglomerate. But at the same time, I actually only really work for myself. But I also report daily to a broker of record. Right. Who is solely responsible for my actions. Again, that's, <laughs> the, that's the part that I think is the just day one immediate conflict. That's a, that's a, there's no way of getting around that. I answer to somebody else because I work underneath their license. That wouldn't pass any of the metrics that we had talked about previously, but it does, but it which does. is the amazing thing. I don't get that part, but it does. And if you're the employer, not totem, but like one of these large institutions, it makes total sense. You have no obligation from an employee perspective, the PGA Tour, back to the live PGA Tour thing. PGA Tour is in like the catbird seat. They have no obligation to these people, yet they have the ability to completely control where they do or do not play golf. All because they control the, you know, the creme de la creme events, like the events that everybody wants to win. Now, do the pros pay a certain membership fee? For them to be entrance fee to every event. There's an entrance fee to, to every, every event. event. Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize that. Like every single weekend, the PGA Tour, anybody who's teeing it up that weekend paid to play in that event. Well, that, again, I beg to differ because the top 25 guys that are the draws to come there, they might have had their fee waived. No, they still wrote the check. They no. wrote the check? They wrote the check. That's how the PGA Tour keeps their independent contractor status because those people pay to play. Now, granted, you know, they have Nike or, you know, Strixon or... Somebody's writing the Somebody check. else is writing Somebody's the check. Somebody's writing the but check. But they are physically writing a check as their entrance fee, which is wild. Wild, wild, wild. So are you guys glad you're employees or would you rather be independent contractors? I've done both. And... Um, I think there's merits to both. From a producer standpoint, being an independent contractor allows you a plethora of ways to expense items. And it's, the metric of that is real easy. There's X amount of dollars. If I do X amount of work, I get Y compensation. Uh, I think where it really becomes misguided is how, again, how do you go in front of one of your clients and say, I represent you and I represent you alone 
you are the one I'm acting on behalf, but yet the financial structure that you work on dictates that there's a different way that I get compensated. And I think if I were a, a, a tenant or a landlord, I would want to know, well, wait a minute, I, once you start crawling past the first two layers of that, you go, your concern is the transaction. Your concern is not the revenue. Your concern is that you, you benefit much more financially with a transaction than advice that might say, don't do this. And that is a conflict that's a hard one to, to sell, not necessarily sell, that's the wrong word, but to vocalize that when you look at this thing, the value of what somebody does and the compensation is all based on getting something done, being transactional versus being you know, a consultant, being an advisor and saying, have you really looked at this thing? And there's no urgency to make this decision immediately or anything like that, whereas a the independent contractor whose compensation ultimately rests with the transaction, that's where they get compensated. It ultimately rests with the transaction you can see that there's a potential for conflict. Yeah, I mean, and for me, um, yeah, you I haven't known I, any different, right? Really. But I also would not have ever known any different. I mean, I um, was too risk averse when I came into this industry. I think one of the first or second conversations that we had um, was like. I have a mortgage, I have X, Y, and Z responsibilities, like, in all of those expenses are at this quality, you know, at this level of compensation I have been receiving so far in my career. So I cannot just throw my all my eggs in this basket and think like, I'm going to start creating commission revenue for you day one to m make that jump. That's why, um, you know, like I say all the time, I, I couldn't have gone to a JLL or a CBRE because it was the start of my career in commercial real estate and I would not have been able to get the mentorship to make a living um, at that point in my life or to support my expenses. So for me, you know, uh, being an independent contractor was never an option just because of the age that I got into this industry and the responsibilities that I already had in life. Um, but I also, to Michael's point, well, and in addition to the, like, the stability, um, I think that we are already in a stressful industry. Come on. And for me, this like, not, not having the added stress of if I don't close this deal, I'm not going to have a paycheck this month. Um, I think it takes enough weight off my shoulders that I can be better at my job or focus on improving or learning more because I'm not just constantly looking for the next deal. So I, you know, the, and as another point, cause I was just having this conversation with someone last night. So the stability and, and the risk mitigation, but then also I think this is more of an atmosphere for mentorship. Um, I had someone, a client of ours that I was talking to last night has um, a family member that is licensed, is in the industry, is kind of struggling to find their way. And this person has been at a residential office where it's all independent contractors and everyone's just hustling for the next deal. They're essentially competing against each other. 
So she's not able to learn anything really in that atmosphere. Um, and, and I think that, I think it's improving in commercial real estate, but I don't, I definitely don't think that I would have had the opportunities anywhere else that the structure here has afforded me. I'd say that's probably accurate. You know, it, it's funny. At it, it, it my age, I get to look at the world from what is the service that you're providing, okay? And at the end of the day, we provide services and advice to people, but our product is really trust, okay? You have to believe that we are experts at what we do, and our actions have to show that. So if you have even this appearance of there might be this I don't, this conflict, this, this different motivation, somebody's going to think, well, you know, I, when I look deeply into this, there's, there is that there. And that will always be there with the independent contractor commission transaction structure versus the employment, I have a salary and there's revenue there structure. And I think if when when clients look at this thing and they say, is this person truly representing me? And we've had podcasts about this. Who's actually getting represented here? Are they truly representing me? That's another question that gets answered that goes to the favor of, yes, I can trust these guys because their compensation model is not based on me entering a transaction that maybe could be good or maybe could be bad. I love it. We're going to end on that. Short. The, felt short and sweet. The today. product that we are offering is trust. Well, that is a product. And it, it, I got to add one other part because, because we've been doing this, you and I have been in a position where we sign the front of a check. Okay, so mm -hmm. that makes you look at the world a little bit different. Do I want this person as an employee? Do I want this person as a contractor? You know, what amount of risk of them or future with them? Is that something that I want to deal Because the time with? we tried the independent contractor thing worked out great. <laughs> but, and it was for that reason, though. He because, said, I mean, someone needed an income to pay the bills. I mean... Right. And that's definitely like having different structures within the same organization is not yeah, effective. Yeah, that's definitely a management lesson for me, uh, for sure. And, and I know that this is, you, you wanted to wrap this thing up, but I will bring up, there are some other brokerage companies, and I use the word brokerage, that are large, that actually do have an employment model, but it's not for everybody. And the only thing that they act differently than the independent contractor. It's, you are an employee, but it's only because they provide you health care benefits. Right. So it's not like there's, they've solved that problem of removing the urge to do a transaction. And it's, uh, the, the, you, you want to avoid any questions about a conflict of interest. And you know, if there's an appearance of a conflict, there's a conflict. Someone's going to find it. And you shouldn't have any of that. When you act on somebody's behalf, you should act on somebody's behalf. You know, all this is the fiduciary uh, uh, services that I owe you, and you're 
your goals and your outcomes are greater than mine. And I think that the employment model is a much better vehicle for that. Yeah. Agreed. Well, golf, live, PGA Tour, independent contractor, but at the end of the day, it's all about the bourbon. Yeah. And this is uh, Bradshaw. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, and we have, uh, we assume this has nothing to do with Terry. Um, And a podcast first, or maybe even a totem first, that we all actually like it. Yeah. So. We are fans. Where did we find it? Who knows? But it's really good. I purchased this one. You know, I've gone back and and looked at the podcast, and there's really only been one bourbon I didn't like. So I don't know whether that might say more about you than the bourbon. I think it does. (laughs) I think I don't. I, I think my. My affection for bourbon shouldn't be given as much weight. Well, I love the bourbon. I'm glad you guys are employees, and that's wrap. I'm glad. No, I won't say that. Just kidding. We're off air anyway, so you. Can say I'm glad I, I have say, my I'm, red hat. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you're not Saudi. My paycheck comes from.